Hey, Mad About Movies listeners, Kent Garrison here. Brian Gill is joining hey, hey, me. Hey. We're going to give you guys a little bonus episode now. We're going to talk about our experiences this past weekend at Dallas Comic-Con 2015. But we want to say that we are doing a San Andreas episode with our compadre, Mr. Richard Barden, coming up later in the week. So please, if you are looking for San Andreas thoughts, we will have those. We're excited to talk about that with you. But it unfortunately didn't work out right now. So we wanted to get a little bonus content out there for you guys and we also have an exclusive interview with day of the dead's terry alexander which is awesome and it's posted right at the conclusion of this episode so stick around for that even if you're not a a day of the dead fan or terry alexander connoisseur he was awesome he was such a cool guy so check that out he was great and so uh let's start the show you sound insane you realize that yeah the whole world got crazy Yes, yes, it is Brian and Kent back for another week of the Mad About Movies podcast. Sorry, sorry to disappoint the Richard fans out there. He's not in on this episode again. We're sorry. You know, there's a thing called real life out there. Brian (laughs) and I aren't that familiar with it. Uh, Richard actually has a life and has, uh, you know, priorities other than this show. Believe it or not priorities other than the mad about movies podcast to right. to take care of so he's unable to join us this evening but you know it's been about a week since we've released an episode tomorrowland was last week thank you for those of you who have listened to that commented on it sent emails and and done all that by the way this is a good chance to plug our social media accounts at mam underscore podcast on twitter and facebook.com slash mad about movies podcasts for the facebook fans i see we've we're getting quite quite a few more Facebook fans than we are Twitter. And that's kind of the opposite of what I thought it would be. Uh, I know. Same here. I, I, I kind of thought Facebook was irrelevant at this point for this yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And it is not. We are, we are being proven wrong. The great thing about the Facebook page that I've noticed already, and I'll be honest, the majority of the moderation for the Facebook is Richard and Brian. I'm more of a Twitter guy. I, I'll contribute more on the Twitter than I will on the Facebook for sure. You know, what I have noticed on the Facebook page is that the conversation sort of extends past the episode on there. So if you want to talk about an episode with people, other people who have listened to the show or listened to an ep- that particular episode, that's the place to do it. It serves more as a forum for people who listen to our show than Twitter. It's kind of hard to do a conversation on Twitter with other fans and, and such. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, so like the Facebook page if that's your thing. Follow us on Twitter if that's your thing. We've done our best and tried to do our best. To keep everyone up to date and and retweet things that are relevant, breaking news on movie news and and rumors and rumblings and do all that and kind of offer a little bit of humor here and there and, and commentary on some some pop culture items too and we'll we'll try to sign off with those with our initials so you know who's tweeting on the uh, mam underscore podcast Twitter account so follow that if you if Twitter's your thing and we tried to do some uh, exclusive stuff on there this past weekend and I want to talk about that with you Brian. Uh, yeah, we tried our hand for the first time at Periscope, and I want to talk to you about first of all uh, what we were periscoping, but second of all, just your view of Periscope uh, <laughs> as a whole. Because I know this is—I've heard multiple talk radio segments in the past week, just in yeah in the Dallas Fort Worth area. The P ones of the world will know what I'm referring to. The Periscope right. it's has a great segment burn. It, it is a good, great segment burn, and we need to do our due diligence and burn a segment here talking a little bit about <laughs> Periscope and the future of of, of live streaming technologies uh, among 
uh, among the masses. But we tried our hand at Periscope, and so you know the Twitter account will be another way for you to enjoy content. We'll be posting Periscopes on there whenever we're hanging out together or whenever we're seeing a movie together. We'll Periscope, you know, uh, us in the beforehand, or try to do a little bit more extra content on the on the Periscope that you wouldn't get on Facebook, because I believe that's linked to our Twitter account. It's owned by Twitter and all that. So uh, we did do Periscope this past weekend at Dallas Comic Con, which I want to discuss with you, Brian. Yeah, uh, here in a second. But what are your thoughts on on Periscope? Have you tried it? Do you even know what it is? You seemed kind of confused by it when I was when I, <laughs> when I whipped it out there at the uh, Dallas Convention Center this past weekend. Well, Periscope the the, the, <laughs> the user <laughs> nice. Uh, the user may know that of the three of us, I am the least tech savvy. Uh, I don't I don't uh, dabble in in technology at all. I I'm very simplistic. I'm not completely like a moron or anything like that, but I just kind of tend to fall into the patterns that I like as far as technology goes, and I stay within them, and I don't, I don't ever try to advance out of that. So I have not downloaded Periscope. I'm assuming it's an app that I have to get it is on app. my phone. It is correct. Okay. You're correct in saying that it's an <laughs> okay. app, yes. Then I'm well ahead of where I might have been previously. No, uh, I haven't downloaded it. I, me- I have meant to. I just haven't gotten to it yet, so I have not messed with it. I have heard various, uh, very many uh, segments on sports radio around the Metroplex talking about it. And it's very interesting. And I think it's funny that people are just getting sucked into watching random things like somebody playing a video game, or I think one of the guys was talking about watching a ceiling fan spin for 20 minutes or something like that. It's just kind of an odd thing. But, uh, so I'm interested, but I have not, uh, dabbled in it, as you say, except for my brief experience with it at Comic-Con this weekend with, with you. Okay. Yeah. Basically what it is, is you can live stream anything <laughs> and it's cra- it's crazy that something like this even got approved by the FCC or whoever controls these things. I'm oh, sure it's yeah. the Apple app store. Yeah. The first order of, uh, sure. The first order of vetting there that goes I'm on. sure Metallica is trying to figure out a way to sue Periscope right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> and this is kind of what I want to talk to you about. Like, doesn't this leave anything ever that's happened up for, Free viewing, you know, couldn't somebody oh, yeah. technically sit in the premiere of Avengers 3 and just periscope the whole thing? Uh, I, yeah. I guess if that's your preferred method of, of consuming media is via a small screen on an app, you know, through the uh, jittery craziness <laughs> that is 3G technology that the majority of people, I would say, have, if that, uh, then that's your thing. Then that's fine, I guess. I guess they don't see it as a real threat. What are your thoughts on how it could, I guess, threaten the entertainment uh, business, the exclusive entertainment business. Yeah, it's definitely a, it's a risky road, right? Like that doesn't, uh, I think it's cool. I I love what it does, but you could definitely be used for the wrong purposes very easily. So I think I I would imagine that we're assuming it continues to get big, which lots and lots of people are talking about it, but, but uh, you know, that happens sometimes. And then two weeks later, no one cares about, whatever technological advance or app or whatever you might be talking about. So it's possible that eventually we'll just, it'll kind of die out. But if it doesn't, you're going to have to start seeing patrolling in movie theaters. And I'm assuming concerts are going to be uh, very serious about yeah. that sort of yep. thing. And I've already watched uh, like a U2 concert on there already. <laughs> like yeah. Somebody was live yeah, streaming I, the U2 show. Sure. 
Blame and, me and for you'll have listening some... to dad rock. <laughs> Sorry, guys. And you'll have some bands and, and whatnot that embrace that kind of thing and, and try to get in, you know, make themselves look cool by embracing Periscope. And anyway, it's going to be very interesting, I guess, to see how it plays out and where we go from here. Because right now it's a really cool thing, but it definitely has some uh, – has some shady applications if uh, if you're not being careful with it, I guess. Yeah, I I work for a, an NFL team, and we had our first the day Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacksonville, right. go Jags! No, it's actually <laughs> Cowboys. Cowboys Nation, what up? Uh, we had our first day of open practice last week, which basically the media can come. You know, Channel Eight down the road can come and bring their camera and, and film practice and show it on the news. You know, you see you know, clips from practice on the news, you're always wondering, well, how do they get that footage if it's practice? You know, are people, right. surely people aren't allowed to just go watch practice because then they could, uh, you know, go tell Belichick what's going on, which, you know, they have. And uh, <laughs> and he could sell the sell the practice tape to somebody or what, whatever. Uh, anyway, so first open practice last week, everybody's periscoping. Everybody. Sure. Live from sidelines of Cowboys practice, Periscope, and PR is sitting there like, what is everybody doing? Oh, Periscope, mm-hmm. what's that? Oh, it's this new app where you can live stream anything. They're like, wait a second. And so sure yeah. enough, two days later, we get we all get an email from PR basically saying the NFL prohibits the use of Periscope <laughs> on any NFL sideline yeah. during any practice or game or official event or and all this stuff. So you can already see the work goings ons of of nipping it in the butt and like okay this right. can't be this can't be done but it's just like I you know it's it's just one more app you know for us to yeah. to do and you know I guess people are going to be big on Periscope oh ooh he's really big on Periscope yeah you know like You're people have are YouTube stars that people are big on Instagram yeah. big on Twitter exactly. YouTube yeah. uh, you know Vine. These apps haven't really gone away, which has been kind of crazy. The the social networks, the the online desktop version of social networks, such as MySpace and you know Zanga and such, they fade away. <laughs> it doesn't seem like these apps have faded much. It's I've had Twitter since like '08, and it's as big as it's ever yeah. been. So it's crazy, kind of a different thing. I guess since it's more mobile, people don't get tired of it as easily because it goes with them everywhere and yeah. it's easily accessible. It's that's another conversation, but you can refresh constantly. The, I was surprised though, Kent. I think you and I, we were there on Friday at Comic-Con walking around the show floor and periscoping and all that sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. we were the only ones doing that. I was kind of surprised. I kind of expected yeah. Yeah. we would see several people filming or, or streaming or whatever, but we were kind of the only ones, and we got some weird looks from people occasionally, and I kind of felt like, I mean, look, there's some weird stuff going on at Comic-Con. This <laughs> we'll is talk by about far it. the yeah. least weird thing that's happening is us – uh, walking around and, and talking to vendors and, and uh, other people who were there to see the stuff and whatnot. But it was it was enjoyable. It was fun. Well, we got a few people to watch. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, a few, few of you did watch. Uh, and I know that those are available for 24 hours later. So it's kind of, if you didn't see it in okay. the first 24 hours, you're never going to see it. So which I think that's kind of cool. You know, you can't yeah. always go back and watch. It's kind of, you kind of have to be on top of it in order for. That's true. That. That that makes I didn't know that and that makes it a, that adds an element to it I think yeah That's I think cool. it is pretty cool so we were at Dallas Comic Con and shout out to the Gentry Agency people mm-hmm. uh, Susan Friedman to be specific for 
getting us all hooked up with media credentials and showing us around and their hospitality and stuff was just fantastic. So big thank you to them and their support of this show for, for allowing us to even be there. Cause I'm not sure I would go and spend the money to do it if we weren't, you know, covering it for the show. And, and Brian, I believe this was, this was your first Comic-Con experience, official Comic-Con experience. We've talked about SDCC, San Diego Comic-Con for a yeah. few years and the announcements and events that go on there. But we've never gone together, especially to a Comic-Con. Sure. I want to get your thoughts on on just the Comic-Con experience, but just an observation that I've had, and, and I'll let you comment on this. Mm-hmm. You never feel out of place at a Comic-Con. In fact, you no. feel almost out of place because, you know, very, let's just be real. We're doing a movie podcast here, guys. So it's, there's no, we're not hiding the fact that we, you know, watch a lot of movies and are into this culture and, and geek culture sure. and, and all this, but yeah, that's we're nerds, th- but, but there sure. are nerds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Usually yeah. any crowd that I walk in, any bar that I go to, I'm, I'm the nerdiest, sure. nerdiest person there. And no, right. r- rarely are any other people in that bar willing to talk about a Star Wars trailer for an hour, like <laughs> recorded and put on the internet, you know, like, and, and we are, but almost like we feel like the coolest people when we go to Comic-Con, like we're not yeah. these guys, we're not in costume, so we're automatically <laughs> cooler and, Yeah, and that's not to be disparaging. It's no. just, that's just, we're fairly, we, we are pretty regular nerds and then you have, uh. Super you have nerds. the costume super nerd nerds, and yeah. the super nerd, and and again, I do not mean that disparaging at all. Like that's that's great. No, it's, I actually actually would fantastic. be dis- I would be disappointed if there weren't super nerds. Because oh, absolutely. I love going there. If nobody was in costume, it'd be actually pretty boring. So yeah. if you're, if, you're well, if you like cosplay and and you do that, please keep doing it because I love it. I love looking at the all the different characters that people choose to dress up as and and all of yeah. that i love it so except the dead mouse it. kid that yeah. that kid can yeah, stop the like, dead that's, mouse that's does not, not belong at that that's clearly a <laughs> halloween costume that yeah, you've carried exactly. over exactly to comic-con yeah. but what, what are uh, yeah, your thoughts it's, it's very cool and you know i'll i'll say i'll say two things um one i don't like crowds crowds kind of stress me out because i i like to be in control of whatever situation i'm in and i don't feel like i am in control when i'm in the midst of a horde of people. Um, that's why I don't go to a lot of concerts. I love I love live music, but I kind of have to know that I'm going to be able to have a seat when I go to see a concert because it it stresses me out being that close to hundreds or thousands of other people. And uh, same for some sporting events, things like that. The nicest group of people ever at Comic Con. Yeah, the coolest, yeah. most just genuinely co- nice people. Uh, you know, we're walking around and you're bumping up against each other and it felt like, (laughs) it felt like being at a generic Canadians convention. Like everybody was like, Oh, sorry. Thanks. You know, (laughs) very polite and cool. Very accepting. There's no, like you kind of said, can't we, we were almost the outcast in this group and we're, we're pretty big nerds. And, And I mean that from the perspective of there were just so many different costumes and different fan bases and everybody was getting along really well. And, uh, it was cool, man. It was really cool. Now I will say this too. I've been to a ton of cons when I was a kid, but it was pre I've said before, uh, but it's been a while. My dad was a, uh, my dad was an amateur science fiction writer growing up. And, uh, and so for, I don't know, the first, eight years of my life maybe 10 something like that uh we were at 
uh, they were called sci-fi conventions at that point. Uh, we were at science fiction conventions probably once a month, I would guess. So uh, a lot of times growing up in it, but at that point it was, it was a lot more authors and, um, some, a little bit of comic books, but not, not to that extent, mostly, mostly authors and Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. Um, so it had been several years. I, I certainly had not been to a con as an adult, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I had gone the past few years that mm-hmm. we had done the show and none of y'all had come with me. So I, I, right. I just figured that it, it hadn't been a thing. So this is your first official Dallas comic con. I mean, I'm guessing it, it, I don't know. If yeah, that was a I thing think back so. Um, I, I don't think so. We went to a lot, but I mean, probably in Dallas convention center, but also Fort Worth convention center and places like that. Now I used to go, I used to be really into uh, sports cards and stuff. So I went to a ton of those conventions as well uh sports cards and memorabilia and yeah uh had had done that uh in the recent past and that's a, a whole different kind of nerd um not as nice let's to be honest not no, not as nice no. of a group as the as the comic group extremely pretentious people <laughs> yeah car and just, yeah and just really kind of very uh abrasive i think more often than not and very proud of whatever wares they have to sell which i didn't get too much from the vendors at at, uh at at comic-con this weekend it it you know there was people there that had some great stuff but most people were you know they just they were there to engage with the fans and uh so it was it was a different experience for sure a much more enjoyable experience than many of the ones i've had at sports conventions and memorabilia and stuff like that yeah i could tell and you and I got to walk around together for just uh, a few hours on on the Friday, and mm-hmm. uh, we each came back on Sunday, but at different times. I got to tell you were a bit overwhelmed with just the amount of of stuff yes. there, and just yeah. the amount of different fandoms that are represented at uh-huh. at a comic con. Yeah. Talk to me about just the um, just amount of stuff there is to absorb at a, <laughs> yeah. at a place like, you know, and Dallas Comic Con's not that big. I think right. maybe there were 50,000 people there and I'm sure it's in the hundreds at San Diego, mm-hmm. but it's not, one oh, of yeah. the, it's not like WonderCon or Dragon right. Con or any of the big ones are in, in the U S and it's, yeah. it's a pretty big deal here in Dallas. I mean, it was nerds know about it. I mean, there, sure. there were, there was no, you're definitely kind of having to walk between people. It's not like it's a. Oh yeah. It's not yeah. like it's a, a Walmart at 3 a.m. where you could just. It, there's no <laughs> one in sight, yeah. you know. Even even so, there's probably a lot of people there. But talk to me about just the atmosphere, the the fandoms that are represented, and the amount of pop culture stuff that's just sure. surrounding you. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the cooler parts is that you have. Star Wars nerd, and then you turn this way, and there's a Doctor Who guy, and then you turn turn over here, and there's a <laughs> Trekker, and uh, there's kids walking through with Minecraft helmets on, and uh, and a lot of a lot of Marvel and DC stuff, and then there was plenty of stuff that I don't even know what it was because I don't I don't really read comic books or graphic novels or anything, and you could tell a lot of time had gone into the crafting of their costumes, and I just didn't know. <laughs> what it was there was plenty of lord of the rings stuff as well which Uh was fun uh but yeah it's it's really cool to see them all just kind of co-mingling and uh and there was didn't seem like there was any group animosity or like fanboys where the star trek people and the star wars guys start fighting or something like that (laughs) uh 
So we didn't have to worry about that. But yes, I was I was overwhelmed by the amount of stuff because I have major collector. I could brain. tell. I could tell. Like you were just, <laughs> you were just. Yeah, like, your willpower was being exercised oh, dude, like crazy not to just buy yeah. everything in sight. I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah. I bought one I'm thing. Really, I spent ten dollars in three days there. Uh, so yeah. I, I went back on Sunday and spent. I spent more than that, but, but not <laughs> not exponentially. So like, but here's my issue: is I am. It's the same as like with movies. Like I have to before we went to see the Fast and Furious movies. I watched all of the previous ones before that. Um, not that I hadn't already seen them, but just kind of to remind myself. I'll do the same with the Jurassic Park movies here in a in a couple of weeks. I am a major completist. And, uh, and so that plays out with collecting where it becomes, well, I have one, so I'm going to need to get all of them sort of thing. And so I have to be very careful about what I engage in on that front, because it's probably an addictive habit, to be honest, but I can very easily get into a spot where it's like, okay, now I've got this, now I've got to get this one and this one and this one and this one. And so I have to really either not engage or engage on a very logical level of, okay, here's the line. And that's, that's all that, you know, I've got to have clear lines of demarcation of what I will and will not buy. That's why I I collect Chewbacca stuff. I have, I don't know, a hundred or 150 Chewbacca pieces of, of memorabilia. And, uh, part of my reasoning for doing that, besides the fact that Chewbacca is the best character in star Wars. Do you have a Chewbacca bendum by chance? Do I have them? What, a what? The, the Bendems? Remember that line of action figures? Okay, I have I a Chewbacca Bendem that I'm willing to sell at a awesome. uh, negotiable right. price. So get to okay. me after the show. I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll send you some tweets. <laughs> and we'll, we'll okay, negotiate. great. But, uh, but part of it is, too, is like I love Star Wars, and I could so, so easily just try to buy everything that is Star Wars, and there is no way to do that because there is so <laughs> stinking much. Um, yeah. When I was a kid, I collected the original Star Wars figures, and I got, I think at the time, I think of the original run, there were like 107 figures total, 104 figures, something like that. And I had all but four. And it was everything, like I was trying everything I could to get those last four, but they were always just too expensive or, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't reasonably pull it off with the $10 a week allowance, you know, stuff like that. So I have, but so looking at all this memorabilia and, and collectibles and stuff like it was majorly overwhelming of, I would like to have all of this, you know? Yeah. It was funny. You and I walked up to a booth that had basically exclusively vintage star Wars action figures, like new, like on the blister card packaging in, in a plastic case, collectibles you know not something you'd yeah. take home and and put on your on your office desk and just kind of look at these right. are things you put on a shelf or you know put in your closet forever and yeah kids in a glass case yeah. you, your kids will never see you know <laughs> right and, yeah, yeah and you kind of went up there and it it was cool to hear you just talk star wars characters with yeah. this this vendor and y'all were talking about you were like yeah well you know the, oh, I always wanted this one character, but I could never find him. And he kind of pointed to a case. Yeah, you know, and it's right there. there. Yeah, <laughs> and he has it. It's Yik Yak or whatever. What's his name? Uh, Yak Face. Yak yeah. Face. And uh, yeah. yeah, I can never find Yak Face. He goes right here. And they had him new in yeah. box. And you're like, oh, how much? He's like thirty two hundred. You're like, good right. God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. At, <laughs> at the time when I was collecting, which I probably I actively collected Star Wars figures until maybe age. 11 i'm gonna say something like that at some point i kind of moved on and 
had completed everything that I was going to get. Yak Face was always like it was going to run a loose figure was going to run somewhere between 100 and, and 150 bucks and that was just too far yeah. too far to go to get those figures. But yeah, carded and it was in pretty good shape was $3200 just like holy cow, man. man. Like, and you know yeah. somebody will pay that too. That's the thing. That's what it's worth probably. That's probably a yeah, very fair price at what It's amazing. I man, I I'm just I, I'm always regretful when I go to those cons about, mm-hmm. man, I should have bought this when I was mm-hmm. younger. Man, I should have kept yeah. this when I was younger. And just, I, that's, that's the hindsight involved in most of the con stuff. Like, I had that. Like, look what it's selling for. It's kind of depressing when it's, you go. <laughs> it's so funny, too, because there's, it's, it is such a mountain. You have to sell at the right time. Like, I, when I was in high school, I started, gosh, this is the nerdiest podcast we've ever heard. I'm so glad Richard's not here. Uh, this is, he this is the kind of stuff of only you so and I hard. could do. Yeah. I know. Richard doesn't get it. Richard was watching the Larry Sanders show and, I don't know, reading Hemingway or something when we were, <laughs> nerd. When we were doing this stuff. But yeah, w- look at that nerd. Um, I started accumulating the new Star Wars figures that they started releasing in like 97, maybe. They're called uh, the Power of the Force ones. Yeah, that, yeah, the Power. Yeah, of the that's Force when I started series. too. Yeah. Okay. It was so it was right around the times those. of the the special edition movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they started in like 95, 96, right. something like that. So um, I started accumulating those, and I, I, I was old enough at that point to say, okay, if I would have kept all of these originals in their boxes they would have been worth you know thousands and thousands at that time literal thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars i think the market because of ebay things have dropped down on that pretty significantly but so i i did i started buying them and and keeping them in the boxes and stuff and at some point i decided i think i was in college i think i needed some some money for uh books or something and i i sold at the right time and made I don't know, a couple thousand dollars off of everything that I had. And then uh, this weekend, you know, there was a couple stands that had a bunch of those Power of the Force uh, carded figures, and they were literally in tubs for 3 to $5 each, yeah. you know? So it's like, <laughs> okay, so I made the right call on that. I'm, yeah. I was an idiot as a kid for opening all the originals, but I made the right call on those the second wave. That's always – you always choose the, the wrong thing to, like, hold on to. <laughs> that, that is so yeah. true. You're always like, man, this is going to – Beanie Babies are going to be worth so much. <laughs> yeah, Keep yeah. all the tags in pristine condition. You can buy the yeah. whole set for, like, eight bucks. On eBay. So funny. Yep. That, that is so, so true, though. What did you end up buying? Uh, I actually bought one comic book, and I showed it oh, to you. Oh, that's right. I was there when I you bought that's the, right. yeah. we each bought book. We each bought the Star Wars number one Marvel. You bought the Chewbacca variant, yeah. action figure mm-hmm. variant cover, and sure. I bought the Scotty Young uh, variant. And Scotty Young is one of my favorite just comic book artists. He does like a really unique – he basically does kid versions of everything, and that sounds really weird. Yeah. But go look at his art. It's very unique and really cool. It's unlike anything I'd seen at the time in, in comic book stuff uh, when I first came across him. And, and so, you know, any Scotty Young stuff that I see that I, I'm interested in, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant-Man or something like that or Iron Man, mm-hmm. any variant he does, I'll try to just get the Scotty Young version because I want to be collecting I mean, their art pieces, really. And right. And so – I had bought the Star Wars number one. I went to I went like the first day they came out because I was reading online. Okay, Marvel's releasing the Star Wars you know comic series. It's the it's the highest pre order ever in Marvel history. These play you know a lot of stores are already sold out because they pre ordered so many. 
So, so I went the first day, I think it was this past February, I want to say they released Star Wars number one. And so I went to my local comic book store and looking for it. And all they had was the blank cover variant, which is just white with the Star Wars logo. I'm like, crap. I saw several of those, that, that kind of thing. Yes. Uh, Yeah. That's a, that's another kind of variant that you could get with number ones is it's just blank with the logo of what the series and some people collect those. And those are sure. cool to to take to a con, and if Scotty Young was at the con, I'd give him the yeah, blank absolutely. one, and he can draw me Darth Vader on there, and it's a really cool piece to have. But I was like, crap, totally. crap, they only have the white one. Well, I better get it, because these these are hot right now. Like I'm probably sure. not going to be able to even buy a number one if I don't buy it now. So I bought the blank one, and then uh, and then so they released a Darth Vader comic book series, and they released a Princess Leia comic book series. They all kind of tie in together with the Star Wars uh, new comic series. And I bought the Scotty Young versions of both of those. But if I had bought the Star Wars number one Scotty Young, you put all three of them together, and it makes one picture. So I guess it's kind of a, you know, he did one piece and then kind of cut it into thirds and made them each the cover. So it was basically the missing piece in my little Scotty Young Star Wars uh, thing. So I, I found that for like 10 bucks. It's like that's a fair deal. That's the price online. I was looking to buy it anyway. Right. If I'm not, if I don't buy it now, I'll never pull the trigger. So I bought that. That was the only thing that I pulled the trigger on. But I want to talk one more bit uh, about collecting and mm-hmm. and cons before we talk our our interview experience at Comic Con <laughs> and yeah. uh, a haunted house experience that we had at Comic Con as well, <laughs> which should be entertaining to the people that know Brian. But yeah, um, something. I don't know if you had been introduced to, and I don't know if you had, and I saw you walking away on Sunday with a few, was the <laughs> the Funko Pop vinyl uh-huh. yeah, figures. Yeah, the Pop vinyl. And if you watched our Periscope or if you saw it the next day, you know that we were showing a lot of Funko Pop. Uh, a lot of vendors have taken it upon themselves to, man, we can make a killing. All we got to do is offer Funko Pop vinyl figures at the lowest price, and we're going to we're going to, everyone's going to buy them from us. Cause you see them for 10 bucks at one booth, you go right next door and they're 15 or 20, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I was, yeah. you know, I, I sort of was looking for the best deal all around and we found the right. table, the Same. best deal. And I could tell, man, your eyes were wide because Dude. every freaking fandom is represented, whether yes. it's ET yeah. or arrested development or star Wars or Fire, it is the Firefly. absolute worst yeah. thing for my yeah. for my collector brain because it's like, oh my gosh, there's everything that I love is represented in this. I could buy hundreds of these. Yeah, <laughs> so. I I bought I'd, I'd had a few before. Yeah, um, I, I have a Chewbacca one. Okay, uh, but that's the only one that I that I had until this weekend. I bought I bought several of them. Which ones? Weekend. Which ones? Uh, I if you're bought, willing to disclose that? Yeah, no, of course. I bought an ET. I bought a sloth from the Goonies. That's the one that pushed me over the edge. Like I was resisting. I was going to buy a couple for my son to put in his room. And mm-hmm. then, and I was trying to resist the rest of them. But then when I realized they had a Goonies set, I was, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. So I bought, uh, so I bought sloth. I bought ET. I bought Malcolm Reynolds. Nice. Um, what did I also, Oh, Robin Hood, the animated Robin Hood, which is my favorite. Oh yeah. Uh, I did Disney see those. Yeah. Of all time. So that was a great one. Um, I decided in my brain that I could buy one from each set that like really truly mattered to me. So I didn't get one from Arrested Development, even though I really wanted a Buster Bluth, yeah. and uh, you know a couple others. But like the things that would really represent my 
fandoms uh-huh. of these various things. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and get a Marty McFly at some point. And there was a couple more that, that I think I'll, I'll probably add to the, to the collection. But I, and I found a, there's a Chewbacca exclusive that has, it's, he has snow on his head. It's right. Chewbacca Hoth. That was at GameStop. So uh, I got one of those and then I bought for my son, I bought a, an R2D2 cause he loves R2D2 and uh what was the other oh super grover from uh sesame street so i i got those for him and and he loves grover he doesn't understand why i won't let him play with the rtd2 i just put it on his shelf but you know that's fine right uh it's it's a bobblehead so it's not the same uh doesn't have quite the same durability i guess the the fun ones for me and the ones that i bought uh i'm a big guardians fan i know that i know i've made that clear probably episode one on this show i started talking about guardians that's like the only comic series that I'll go out and buy other than Star Wars. Like mm-hmm. anything Guardians, I kind of like really have to have. Uh, but all I have is the Dancing Baby Groot Funko Pop vinyl. Uh-huh. I had to, had to have that. Uh, yeah. And the other ones that I've been attracted to are the ones that you wouldn't think there would ever be an action figure of. Like I'm looking sure. at right now on my little podcast setup here. I've got a The Dude – and Walter Sobchak Funko Pop vinyl from The Big Lebowski. Nice. And they look so funny because it's a miniature Jeff Bridges and John Goodman. Uh-huh. And the the John Goodman one has a flat top. He's got like the yellow glasses on and he's holding like a bowling bag and stuff. And the dude one is holding a a uh, a white Russian drink in his hand and stuff. It's just so they're so funny because you would never think there would have been a, a an action figure let alone like a, a collectible act figure of the big Lebowski. Right. You know, cause it was a cult, you know, thing. So I feel like if I buy more, I'm going to buy the Pulp Fiction ones or, uh, you know, Co- Coen brothers, other movies or whatever they make. I know they have kill bill and, and Pulp Fiction. I want I was almost pulled the trigger on those, but mm-hmm. I just like the ones that you would never think there would be a, an action figure of. And like that represent great movies too, sure. because I love great movies. So it's kind of like, crosses over with two of my loves there so that that's what i did but it was interesting to see your eyes wide at the Funko oh, pop table and yeah and i knew you were gonna sneak back there and snatch a few up and yeah i bought a bunch dude yeah, and i, and I, I bought it. i bought one of the the exclusive pop was uh was an angry groot you and i bought one it? of those too. man i yeah. almost bought one but i, I like, bought I one and i just stashed it i don't know if i want yeah i kind of figure in a month it might actually i might be able to resell it for and make a little bit of money off of it. Oh, so. for sure. Uh, so I, I put that away. I found a couple of Chewbacca's that I had uh, carded, but uh, and well, I found loose versions of ones that I already had carded. So and they were you know five bucks each or something. So I bought those and uh, a little. I bought a sweet uh, Captain America shirt that has the uh, you remember you know the old uh, uh, Chuck Connors uh, logo for the yes yeah. Mm-hmm. For the high tops, it's mm-hmm. that, but it's it, it says Steve Rogers on it instead of uh, Chuck Connors. It looked really dope, and the guy was selling them for a decent price, and they were they were pretty high quality too. So I grabbed that, and all in all, I think not counting the Angry Groot, which I won't count because I'm I'm gonna resell that and I'll make my money back if nothing else. But uh, I probably spent like a hundred bucks, maybe a hundred and ten, something like that. That's not bad. Not I could have spent man. ten thousand. He could have spent thirty two hundred on the Yak Face. Oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So our main reason for going to the con was to try to get some interviews for the podcast. Right. And so we show up, Brian and I, 
literally at the same time, which is really weird. Out of fifty thousand people, it's like Brian. I know. I, I pull up in my car and I'm walking to the elevator, and Brian's like, "Oh, hey, man!" Like we were like right by each other yeah. the whole time. It, yeah. It's really weird how it worked out. So we met up and and we go to pick up our press passes. And first time getting a press pass for me, dude. That was pretty cool. Cool, exper- cool, cool thing to always be kind of in the VIP, if you will, at an event and just give them your name. Like, Oh, right this way, sir. You know, it's kind of, yeah. it's always they, every they time really I rolled out it. the red carpet too. Like seriously shout right. out to Susan Freeman. Cause she, yeah. she treated us like we were the biggest media outlet there, which was awesome, which we might've been, she, might was, have been. she was it's telling possible. us that we might, <laughs> they, they, re- they said they have five, 500 applicants for media credentials and we were among the top, uh, yeah, we people the top that they, tier, so that said. makes us feel great about our show. Seriously. Uh, and the people that support us and, you know they they do do their do their due diligence uh, to to issue the credentials. But so we show up and we say, hey, you know we're here, mad about movies. Uh, we're we're podcast and you know any interview that we could get would be great. Sure. Uh, anybody that's willing to talk to us, we'll, we will talk to. And she's like, you know, she basically said, well, nobody's giving interviews. Sorry, right? And I was like, crap, you know, because you know you get stoked, you, you got to a con with Stan Lee and Carrie Fisher and Nathan Fillion and all these great people. You think you could talk to one of them for five minutes and it would be a big deal. She's like, well, the, the reps have said they're not granting interviews, but what I'll do, and this is what Brian was referring to, to rolling out the red carpet. She's like, I will go walk around the floor with you and we'll just go talk to these people and see if they're willing to talk. And so, well, that'd be great. You know? So, uh, basically the head PR rep, uh, or publicist rep at, at Dallas comic con, Walked Brian and I through the floor of Dallas Comic Con, you know, I guess left her job to go take <laughs> us around here and and introduce us to these people and, and to ask them if, if they'd be willing to talk to us. And so my ultimate goal was to get a Stan Lee or a Carrie Fisher. It didn't happen. Sure. Uh we do we did talk to Terry Alexander from Day of the Dead, the star of Day of the Dead, I should say, who is who is a great guy. Awesome. And and you will hear that that interview at the conclusion of this episode. So please stay tuned if you want to hear our conversation with with uh, Terry Alexander and and if you're a Day yeah. of the Dead fan, you'll definitely want to hear what he had to say about that. So they had a little reunion of Day of the Dead and so he was our first person. She goes cuz he didn't have a a big line for autographs. They basically sit at tables and fans form a line and uh they pay what 40 bucks. Yeah, for an autographed picture and uh, a selfie with the star of their choice, and depending on how big the star is, you know, Stan Lee's probably a hundred bucks or more for uh, an autograph yeah, and I a picture think or something. If I if I remember correctly, I think Stan Lee was charging seventy five. The uh-huh. highest that I that I saw was uh, was Fillion, and he was charging ninety. I think <sighs> something like man, that. He makes the killing every weekend. Know, just go for two days, and man, he no telling how much. All because of Firefly, Firefly too. Yep. You know, yep. man, one freaking eight episodes, or whatever it was. <laughs> How God. dare you? I think it yeah. was twelve. I and a movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Firefly fan. I love Firefly. I'm not. I'm not dissing it. But so, you know, I guess we didn't think we'd get inter- any interviews at all. We go and meet Terry Alexander, and he's just the nicest guy. You'll hear it seriously in the, in the uh, thing, and he was super excited to talk to us and talk about Day of the Dead and. It was exactly what we were hoping for and looking for when we came to the con. I knew nothing about Terry Alexander, and I've, I, you know, I hate horror movies. I haven't seen. I, I probably have seen 
I don't know, some of Day of yeah. the Dead at some point, but I've certainly never sat down and watched it. And uh, we were just kind of like frantically right before we walked up and talked to him, we're just IMD being, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, anything else that I might know him from. So I have something to talk to him. Seriously, the nicest dude in the world. Like yeah. we talked to him for 10 minutes and it could have been, we, we could have had him on the show and just talked to him for an hour. He was such, such a cool guy. Yeah. So we, we talked to him and please, like I said, that if you want to fast forward and listen to that, it'll be the last about 15 minutes of this show. So we talked to him is great. And Brian and I are pumped. We're like, man, that was awesome. Let's go, let's go get another one, you know? And, <laughs> and so we walk, <laughs> this is, this is, a, this is funny. So we walk back to the other side of the, the venue and, uh, Sylvester McCoy is there for, uh, we've talked about him on the show. You know, he was Radagast in the Hobbit series which Brian is a huge Hobbit fan, so there's a big connection there. Uh, Doctor Who, he was the seventh Doctor. We talked to him about Doctor Who. And so we tell Susan, the, the publicist, we're like, you know, it'd be great. He didn't have that big a line, but he kind of had a, a few people in line. We're like, you know, if, if he's willing to talk to us, you know, once again, you know, it, feel free to say no, but right. if he's willing, and then we'd love, we'd love to talk to him. Totally. And she's like, okay. She walks up to him and and uh, he seems receptive. She comes back to us and says, you know what? He's fired up. Just come back in 10 minutes and he'll do it. <laughs> and we're like, okay, great. Oh, this is a huge get. Sure. And first first of all, I should say, we wanted to get Tara Strong. Uh, we, we thought we were going to get Tara Strong, the voice actress. Didn't end up getting her. So that would have been a huge get too. It's another disappointment we ended up not, not uh, coming through with. But so we go back 10 minutes later, Sylvester McCoy. And by this time, Susan's like, okay, well, I'm going to go back to my desk, but just go back in 10 minutes and he'll talk to you guys. Okay, sounds doable. Brian and I walk up. He (laughs) acts like he's never heard the word interview in his life. Yeah. Like he had never, didn't just have the conversation five minutes before (laughs) of her coming and asking him personally, hey, will you do an interview in 10 minutes? And, uh, And so he goes, interview? I thought I was signing like in some his Scottish accent and the, the little volunteer at his table goes, no, you just had an interview scheduled. And he was like, okay, you know, kind of very hesitant at first, yeah. but knew he had a commitment and obvious that he didn't want to do it. And so we're like, okay, well, let's see what we can do here. So I, you know, Brian and I introduce ourselves to him, you know, very nice to meet you, sir. Uh, this is an audio only thing. So, you know, feel free to, to sign and or do whatever he's like okay sounds good and uh and so i first of first of all i start off the interview by saying we're here <laughs> with the with, biggest softball question of all time we're, we're <laughs> here with sylvester mccoy from doctor who and uh radagast from the hobbit uh sylvester it's great to have you back in dallas i know you're here last year is is this, is this the thing you want to keep doing you know coming back to dallas is you seem pretty receptive to coming back. And as soon as I started to say the words, we're here with Sylvester McCoy, he gets this angry look on his face. <laughs> and it's as if he I, – I know what it was, Brian. He had no idea we were a radio podcast show. He could have – he probably thought we were a newspaper article or any other type of written format where sure. nobody's Old listening school. to this. So right. why would you need to say we're here with Sylvester? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, he had no idea what was going on. And, yeah. and I throw a question out, um, <laughs> something like, okay, you know, great to have you. And, 
and uh, he totally just sh- shoots the question. He goes, yeah, Dallas, it's, it's fun. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, okay, well, this is, <laughs> this is going to suck. And I try to kind of like, I go, well, I'm looking at your line. You know, I'm trying to, once again, this is in audio format. Right. I'm trying to visualize <laughs> for the listener at home what we're doing. I'm saying, well, they're, I'm looking at your line here. There's a lot of Doctor Who fans in your line, but I also see some some Lord of the Rings fans in, in your line. Do you often get more Doctor Who fans or 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 Hobbit fan? And right then he cuts me off and goes, "Your question's way too long. It's way yes. too long." He said something to the effect of. Uh... Of who's doing the talking here? I thought you came to talk to me, yeah. not for me to listen to you. I was like, well, sir, I was asking the question. He goes, <laughs> he goes, more Doctor Who or Hobbit? There. That was five words. I was like, yeah. well, that's not a for very professional. Like, if, if I had walked up to him and goes, Sylvester McCoy, more Doctor Who or Hobbit? Like, that's not an entertaining thing to listen to. That's a, that's a horrible interview format. And we had just come, come away from Terry Alexander, and and the publicist said, Man, you guys ask great questions, and y'all are super professional. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. it's like almost as if y'all are a real show. You know, like, yes, <laughs> yeah, this is actually seriously. what we do. And then turn right around and just get shot to the ground by this guy. And and, yeah. and man, we should have known better. He didn't want to do it. We should have been yeah, like, okay. he had no interest. And to be to be fair, he had no clue either. Yeah. Like he was He's like ninety. Yeah, when we were walking up, when he was talking to the assistant, I had that that moment of, okay, this is going to be a disaster because it just seemed like he was totally out of it and, and maybe didn't even know what was going on. So, you know, he's an old man, but he was he was a total jerk. And he it was, was hor- he was just so yeah. rude. So he just mean. clearly didn't want to talk to us. Yeah. And that's fine. Like just we got turned down by five people up, you know, leading up to that interview. So all you have to do is say, you know what? I don't want to do that. And we would have been like, totally cool, man. No yeah. problem. Thanks. Yeah. So much. yeah, exactly. And we go right after he shoots me down. <laughs> I go, Kent and I looked at each other while, as he kind of chews out, he chews out Kent and then he starts answering the question. Yeah. And we looked at each other and we both had the, okay, we're just going to get out yeah. of this and, and we're done. And I go, well, uh, we're going to let you go now. We don't want to bother you anymore, but thanks for talking to us. And we'll, you know, we yeah. appreciate it. He goes, try, try to take the high road. <laughs> and he goes, talk to me. Y'all are the ones who did all the talking. <laughs> Just total zing Just, line. Yeah. Wouldn't let like, it go. Okay, yeah. man, you're, we already know you're a terrible human being, by the way, <laughs> fast track to the Piven list for Sylvester yeah. McCoy. Yeah. Don't, no don't try to go talk to him for, and you know, and that just makes you realize, and some there are two types of celebrities: awesome, great people who get it, like Terry Alexander, who's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I, you know, I'm going to help these guys out." You know, I love talking about my career and my life and answering these guys' questions. And and then there's the Sylvester McCoys who just any interview at all, he he wants to be as rude as possible and just get through it. And I don't even, I didn't even save it, so I, I can't play that for you, unfortunately. But I was, might have a copy of it. We'll, oh, we'll see. Great. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll post we'll that on your that. personal Twitter. Yeah, yeah, we'll hold that for uh, like freemium content in the future when sure. we uh, when we can sell when we're when we are big and we can say, hey, here's the time that Kent got yelled at by uh, by a Doctor Who. Right. We'll, we'll keep that around for that. Actually, <laughs> I need to send it to Richard. Richard it was not. It was. I was prefacing the question. It's oh, it's called dude, it was prefacing. it was total crap. Like yeah. he he was he was totally in the wrong and just he didn't want to talk to us. That's God, all it came down man, to. Man, it just like 
it really soured me. I'm like, I never want to do an interview with anyone again <laughs> that doesn't already have a show or has been on a show for an extended period of time. It was just, it was such a bummer because I liked that guy. Like, I like his work and like, sure. I can't look at him the same again. Like that just proves how one, you know, sour experience with a celebrity can just sour your entire viewpoint on what yeah. they do. So that's what that was. And I had a fun experience at, at Comic-Con, but we did get to attend a few panels, Q&As. Brian, we can talk, I guess, a bit about our Carrie Fisher experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brian and I, uh, our main attraction to, to going on Friday was to to see Carrie Fisher at our Q&A. You know, uh, they have a, a moderator and fans ask questions and it's very organized and professional and you get to learn a lot about this person. Plus, you get to see freaking Princess Leia there, you know, and so right. – Brian and I are like, well, the interviews have fallen flat, so let's uh, <laughs> let's let's walk down to the arena and get a good spot for Carrie Fisher. And so we walk in, and and they say, okay, press, you're over here. Everyone else is over here. They have us walk up these ramps, and we're in an arena. This is basically a fifteen, you know, ten fifteen thousand seat arena, like you'd see a basketball game at or something. And we go up these stairs, up these ramps, and they let us in, and we are in the nosebleeds at this place. I'm like, there's no way this is the press section of this. There's, there's it's, This is not a thing. So Brian's like, well, I'll save our seats if you want to go see if we can get somewhere else. I walked down all the way down to the floor, walked straight onto the floor, and walked to the second row of the freaking entire arena. And I go, Brian, I'm down up front. Come on down. Like I just walked up there and when you have a badge on, no one if you just keep walking, no one stops you. I mean, that's a lesson you can learn in life. George Costanza said it best. It's not a lie if you believe it. You know, act like you belong and you do. So you I walked down there, I got us two seats. We're basically front and center for Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And uh and, and we sit there and we get there pretty early, thirty, forty minutes early. And it starts at seven. We're there about six fifteen, and uh, moderator comes on the stage. Like everyone excited for Carrie Fisher, everyone's cheering. You know, lightsabers are going crazy. Well, I got some bad news, uh, <laughs> some good and some bad news. Yeah, first it's not off, terrible news. Not terrible news. Yeah. yeah, but uh, Carrie Fisher will not be here at seven o'clock. She is stuck in traffic. And by the way, Dallas has gone through like the flood of the century. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, it's been crazy down here for flooding. So highways were a mess. And she, he goes, she just arrived here on the plane. She's on her way here right now in the car, but they're stuck in traffic. It's probably going to be closer to eight before. And then there's a huge groan from the audience. Oh, no, <laughs> my God. Wait another hour for this. So everyone's like, well, you know, it's Carrie. It's freaking Princess Leia. So we're, I'm going to wait. Right. So we all get on our phones immediately and just start twittering, like wasting time. Yeah. Thank God for oh yes for, uh, for <laughs> cell phones and smartphones and all that stuff. Gosh, man, I just can't imagine. I don't even remember how awful that sort of situation used to be anymore. You know, because it's just gosh, it makes such a huge difference just to be able to bust out the phone and just completely zone out. Oh, absolutely. That saved me actually. So seriously. In the meantime, they were showing trailers on the screen and they had about five trailers to show. But the problem was they were looping the, mm-hmm. the five trailers. So we saw the Star Wars trailer, we saw the Ant-Man trailer, we saw the Man from Uncle trailer and the Mission Impossible Rogue Nation trailer 10 times each. I'm not yep. even kidding in this in this time period and you know, 
I'm all for a good trailer. There's nothing more that can make you not want to see a movie than seeing something 10 times in a row. You know, I, I was not stoked for any of those movies at the yeah. conclusion. So eight o'clock comes Carrie Fisher is here. The moderator comes on and goes, I'm not going to waste any more time. Ladies and gentlemen, Carrie Fisher, star Wars music blast, <laughs> you know, trumpeting and Carrie Fisher walks on stage. We're all, you know, standing up, cheering her. They give her a mic and she goes, when I showed up, they asked me uh, if I wanted a moderator or if I just wanted to wing it. Well, <laughs> I'm going to wing it. And I was like, we were just like, oh, okay. Well, that sounds great. So I guess you can take over from here, Brian, and just explain what happened. <laughs> during I can try, I guess. I need yeah. to retweet her tweet right now on the MAM underscore podcast about the Dallas Comic Con. Because she mentioned it. She said, thank you to all my Dallas but you need to read the tweet because it makes no sense. And you'll understand what I mean by that when Brian talks about yeah, what Yeah, so she comes on stage and she, as she said, she basically got off a plane, got in the car, got out of the car, got on stage. So she hasn't been through makeup or hair or prep or any of this stuff, uh, which kudos to her for, for having the – well, it's, it's part bravery and also part um, – understanding that we'd been sitting there for an hour and a half and there was no reason to make us wait for another 30 or 45 minutes or anything like that. She came straight on and just started talking and she did not stop talking for an hour. And <laughs> some of it made sense, I guess. Let's be honest, uh, Brian. She was, she was lit. She like, was completely baked. Yes. And she mentioned, she goes, yeah, it was just me <laughs> yeah, and my dog. Made- Right. And uh, marijuana on the way over here. <laughs> yeah. She said it just like that. And yeah. you could tell she was not kidding when she started to talk. Right. And so she's stoned and she, you could tell she brought her dog on stage, first of all, <laughs> which is don't do that ever. It was cute. Dogs are cute, but like this is a professional right. gig that you've booked and you're getting paid to do this. Right. So she basically proceeds to do stand up comedy. Yeah. It was like a one woman show. It was it, a one woman really show. Was. And it got to the point where 40 minutes have gone by and people are just screaming at the stage, talk about Star Wars, because she did not talk about Star Wars for 40 minutes (laughs) until she asks a question about uh, or answers a question about, uh, you know, what was it like to be in Star Wars? Something that generic. And she gives no insight at all about Star Wars. And uh, proceeds to bring a lady onto stage from the back of the audience, right? Who was wearing a Marvel shirt, and yeah. uh, and her daughter comes on stage as well, wearing all Marvel stuff. And you know, Carrie's trying to be all nice, and this lady's kind of, you know, she said, well, "You know, I showed my daughter Star Wars, and it was this bonding experience." She's like, "Oh, let's bring your daughter on." Her daughter comes on. Doesn't give a crap about Carrie Fisher. It's like <laughs> yeah. visibly. The kid angry. actually said, "I want to come on stage so I can see the dog." So. Yes, and and Carrie Fisher is like, "Well, do you have any questions for me?" And the girl's like, "No," like really <laughs> yeah. angrily says no and all yeah. that. And man, it was just such a train wreck. Honestly, I can't it, think of a better word than train wreck. And it it was like I told Brian right as soon as we stood up and walked out, I said. Well, we'll never forget that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, it was a once in a lifetime experience. That's for sure. Uh, no, I'm a little more positive on it than you are. I think just I th- because I think it was cool. It's just like I wanted to hear about Star Wars too. Though, yeah, you know, come yeah, on. totally, totally. And 
it was she kind of fluctuated between American treasure and total crazy person back and forth. And I, uh-huh. it was sometimes difficult to decide, uh, which, <laughs> which was, which, um, we definitely did not like our friend Jason asked me afterwards, did you get, you know, was there any star Wars inside or anything like that? And I just said, Oh no, no, absolutely not. There was, uh, a did, lot of, she did say about. one thing. I, I found it kind of interesting. I don't know if this was out there, but she talked about somebody asked her, I think, what was it like working with Harrison Ford again? Mm-hmm. And she said, basically, they had to talk in code via text about the movie right. because they didn't want anything, anyone to hack or anything. So they would say things like, "Are you coming?" or, you know, "Are it, are you all in?" or or whatever, yeah. you know, and not mention Star Wars or anything searchable for people to to find about it. So that's kind of interesting. The fact that they sure. had to ke- keep it under such wraps and, you know, I guess Mark Hamill has put it out there that they've known about this since the eighties, you know, that eventually sure. they would come back and do, uh, another, another star Wars. But that was interesting. And she said that the force awakens is a clarification of the original trilogy. I think that was the word she used. Yeah. And so and that's then, kind of interesting. Maybe right. well, I don't know what she meant by that, but we'll see. Obviously. Yeah, it, it didn't make a lot of sense. And then she and then it almost sounded like she she definitely said the original trilogy, but it almost sounded like what she meant was the prequels. So I'm she, not No, she she because when the lady she pulled on stage said I showed my daughter the the originals but but not the other three. Yeah. And and it seemed like Carrie Fisher had no idea that the prequels existed. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure she just doesn't know that there were other three other Star Wars movies. Like, I hate to break it to you, but maybe, maybe, <laughs> but there, there were. And so yeah. that's really the only it, insight we got about Star Wars. Was, yeah, definitely the only insight. I will say this: she was very. The, it's very easy, I think, for someone in her position who her entire career changed because of Star Wars, and I don't. It's it's pros and cons, right? It's made her an icon and an extremely famous person for the rest of her life, and it always will. But it's not the career path that she was on up to that point. And who's to say whether or not she would have be, – because she is kind of Hollywood royalty, if she would have become uh, a more well-rounded actress – Yep. I don't think she had opportunities to be in movies very much after uh, after Star Wars. And so I think in that position, what I'm trying to say is it's it's very easy, I think, for people to be almost embittered by their experience to like to not appreciate the fame that their biggest thing has brought them. Uh, Kurt Cobain is a great example of that, who yeah. somebody who could not handle the fame that came along with what made him brilliant, what what he did for the world and uh, or what he was a part of, I guess. And she was incredibly complimentary of Star Wars itself, and just it, and she's, who knows the last thing the she scenes, said was, "We are all here because of Star Wars." Yes, and like, she, and, and yeah. that wasn't a, and it wasn't a slight. Like I no. think it could have very easily been. She could have been very lip fan servicey, or even just kind of beaten down by the whole thing after thirty plus years of of kind of going through this. And instead, she really seemed like she appreciated what Star Wars had given to her. And I don't know that I necessarily expected that, to be honest. She said that uh, talking about the Force Awakens that she talked to Daisy Ridley right at the beginning and said, "I." 
your life will never be the same, or I hope you know what you're getting yourself into type of thing. You sure. know, because, you know, Carrie Fisher was 19 when she was in A New Hope and, you know, wrapped the entire thing at age 23. And here she is, I don't know, in her 60s, maybe 50s, doing these cons, you know, and right. still talking about those films she did in her early uh, 20s and late teens. So, yeah. That's just crazy the, the where Star Wars has taken her, but that's really it. But I did get to come back on Sunday and saw in person do a panel American Treasure Stan Lee. Awesome. And it was freaking so bummed awesome, I missed man. It. I yeah. had to leave. I had the thing come up and I had yeah. to go, but man, I was bummed. Man, it was I did I did the same thing. I walked right in and went straight to the second <laughs> row. I was like, I'm I am not missing this. I'm not gonna be in the nosebleeds for Stan Lee. And uh, when I walk in, uh, Giancarlo Esposito was still doing his panel because I wanted to get there early. His panel yeah. was right before, and Robert Wolanski, a, a journalist and, and a radio host that we listened to here in Dallas, was the moderator. So it was really cool. And Giancarlo Esposito is just – he's – if he – depending on how his career yeah. turns out, he's American treasure Yeah, he's, he's either O'Malley or, or AT. Man, no he question. is just – I was awesome. so blown away by – his so charismatic and yeah. yeah charisma and he was just preaching up there mm-hmm. you know about technology and he said something you know like uh, technology's supposed to work for us we're not supposed to work for it and all this like if you don't like what you do don't do it change your life you know and all this inspirational stuff and it was just really really cool and and when you see Gus Fring on Breaking Bad who is the character he plays you know he's right. uh, that's his main i guess main uh, fame has come from that, but sure. You don't, he's, you don't, he's you great don't too, because, uh, well, part of it might be just because he is new to the con thing because yeah. he, you know, up until breaking bad and, and then revolution came right after that. He was not a, he was not in science, you know, sci-fi or comic book movies. He was a classically trained theater actor who was in a bunch of Spike Lee movies and stuff. And so, uh, now he's doing this kind of thing, and so he brings a different element to that setting, which honestly you, you don't get a lot of because you get you get a lot more of Carrie Fisher, whose entire career has been built on sci-fi, and Nathan Fillion, whose entire career has been built on sci-fi, and and on down the list. And you got this guy who kind of sticks out as an outlier in a way, and uh, I think you kind of could sense that in the in the panel. And I, I didn't even get to see the panel; I was just. Uh, following it via tweet and stuff like that. Yeah, man, you would have, you would have stood up and cheered at the end of it. I mean, it was that. I good. love that it dude. Was, he was just so cool, and I'm a fan of his forever because of that. Yeah, it's crazy how, like I mentioned with Sylvester McCoy, seeing somebody in person for a few minutes can just change your entire Absolutely. viewpoint on their career or whatever. But I did see Stan Lee, and they bring him out, and you know. This man needs no introduction, ladies and gentlemen, Stan Lee. And there he is, Stan freaking Lee, right in front of us, you know, 20 feet away. And he's just such an AT, such an American stretch, so cool and just so receptive of all the fans. He actually had a drone flying around the arena because he <laughs> says when he goes home, his wife, he, he tells his wife, Oh, honey, you should have seen. There were thousands of people just screaming. And she's like, yeah, whatever. So he brings like, <laughs> drone footage home now so they could show his wife these cons that he goes to. And, you know, because his wife should be like, oh, that's great, honey. Take out the trash. You know, like uh, she, she doesn't really understand, I guess, the, his, his impact and how he's a almost godlike figure at these cons. 
And, you know, his was all questions. So basically as soon as he came out, he sat down, they started answering questions and the anti Carrie Fisher. And Carrie almost Fisher every question, question that was asked was about his cameos in the movies. <laughs> and that's funny. And so he almost got annoyed by it. he's like, Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure that's a beat down. And like, every kid was like, When you were a cameo in Big Hero Six, uh, <laughs> and it's and that's it, fun to hear, but a couple of times. Right. And so Somebody asked him, what's the craziest character that somebody's ever pitched to you? And he says, like, people don't pitch me characters. I create them. And, like, all this epic, like, stuff, you know, because he he knows his role in society. And and people would ask him, like, what were you thinking when you created Marvel and all this stuff? He's like, man, I'm just – I was just trying to – make like keep a job for a day i was just hoping somebody would read the cookbook so i can make another one you know and it was just such a grassroots operation at the beginning and he said that you know that marvel is now the biggest studio grossing in the world that ever you know it's made more marvel films have made more than any other franchise and he says he just referred back to that he's like i just couldn't imagine what it's become since he started now now he we mentioned when we inducted him into the american treasure hall of fame about now he's like the third or second highest grossing producer of all time him stan lee not marvel you know because he's executive producer on pretty much all these films so that's incredible and and he was just so cool and he's like in his 90s now so he was fading kind of and and he had to have a guy kind of tell him the questions in his ear so we could hear him and you I told Brian this when you were leaving and I was walking in. I said, yeah, I just don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to see Stan Lee. And that's just a fact, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that might be might have been my last chance to ever see him in person because he's in his 90s, literally. Yep. So uh, it, he's he's fading there. So really cool to see him. And he's fa- he he's like, what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, Tony Stark. Tony Stark. Like, <laughs> Just forgetting his own character's name. It's like sure. they, he's got that many in his in his wheelhouse. It, that that was pretty crazy. But so I see Stan Lee, and then he walks off stage. Everyone's walking out. I just walk behind a curtain. <laughs> There's a curtain like separating the audience from the backstage. I just walk through the curtain just to see if I could shake his hand, meet him, and there he was, three feet and away from me, like from to, from me to, to my computer right now, vest. trying to give him his vest. He basically slapped it took it out of my hand and and football spiked it onto the ground but which was cool but no uh, i i was just a couple feet i mean he was taking pictures with like a vip group that people that pay like five grand to be there and get a picture with stan lee like exclusive but uh i sent y'all a video i mean i was literally from here to my computer from stan lee and that was really cool uh so that's that was my like wow moment of the con that's awesome. And that was really it. Um, not much else happened. I know we talked a lot about almost an hour now about the con, but it's it's a great experience. I would suggest anyone Absolutely. that can go to a con in their town or you know come to Dallas for ours. It's it's fun. It's worth going to mm-hmm. for at least. There's a day another or two. one in October, I think. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the next the next round. They do fan days in October. They do uh, sci-fi expo in the spring, actually, which is more science fiction specific but this one's uh, at the dallas convention center the other ones are in irving which is a mm-hmm. suburb this one's in dallas and it's more i guess global and more broad you know stan lee would never come to fan expo but he would probably 
I mean, Sci-Fi Expo, but he would probably come to the Dallas Comic-Con. So right. great experience, Brian. Uh, we did do an Insidious 3 <laughs> Oculus experience yeah. where you put on an Oculus virtual reality headset and it's almost basically a trailer for Insidious, but you're in the trailer and it was yeah. terrifying, I will say. <laughs> and I love horror movies and it was, you know, you're in a horror movie basically and it's uh, it's terrifying. And so while we're waiting for Sylvester McCoy, uh, she uh, Susan says, well, why don't you go, go do this Insidious three thing it takes you know five or ten minutes and come back it's like okay that sounds good and we walk up to it and there's this huge line and we're like is this the line for insidious 3 like yep and she goes and we're like okay that's cool she goes no these guys are with the press they're uh the media so and they're like oh right this way and and they put us right on the on the thing yeah and i had to do this i almost periscoped or videoed it because (laughs) brian hates horror hates gosh houses I hate all of that all stuff of that. so much. And I, I started texting Richard, uh, who was sitting in line for Entourage in his Ed Hardy sleeping bag, just waiting for to be the first one to see Entourage. But I texted him and just said, I hate you for not being here. I freaking hate you. Because Richard shares my, my feeling on that. We hate that kind of stuff. And I thought at the very least, look, we'll get in here. I thought it was going to be like a uh, – you know those rides that are in the middle of, of the mall, like the Great Button Mills Mall, yeah. that the, you sit in and it shakes you around and stuff? I thought it was going to be something like that. So I at least was like, well, look, I'll just – I told Kent. I was like, you're going to have to hold my hand or something. Like, well, yeah. it's fine. We'll, we'll be together. <laughs> and then we get down there and I realize that it's going to be one person at a time thing. Like, <laughs> oh, God, this is my worst nightmare. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so we walk in one at a time. And there's like, you know, creepy stuff happening and some guy runs out and he put he put me in a room like a what would you say? Five by five foot closet type room. And there's a screen on there that tells you what to do. And there may have been more stuff on the screen. Can't I don't know, because I never looked at it. I just kept my head down the whole time because I just knew something creepy was going to happen. And then a door opens to the side and another creepy guy, which. Uh, there must be, a, I, how do you cast people like that? Do you I have no like, idea? I don't know. Yeah. We're looking for real creepers that'll come in and, yeah. and, uh, but anyway, he sat, he sits you down in a chair and puts the Oculus thing over your head and earphones on your ears and it starts. And, uh, I'll give my experience. I would love to hear yours, Kent, because mine was, I looked in the Oculus thing for maybe 20 seconds because it is a cool technology and I did want to see what it was what it was all about. That's the first time I had had any experience with it. But uh, there's a creepy old woman talking to you and then the music starts with the creepy horror music and then your your my seat started shaking and at that point I thought, <laughs> you know, I know what's going to happen here and this is all going to be stuff popping out and and horrifying images and I want to be able to sleep so I closed my eyes for the next 3 minutes and just pretended like it was I was just singing songs to myself in my head and saw none of it. So that was my Oculus uh, uh Insidious 3 experience. It was terrifying, I will tell you. <laughs> it was you're basically sitting at a at a uh in a living room with an old woman she's you're sitting on the couch and she's sitting in already creeped out because i hate old people she's yeah she's sitting in basically a chair (laughs) across from you and you're in this old old school house like a 1940s style house and that's creepy in itself like something where the furniture hasn't been changed in 60 years is is you feel like you've stepped into a a time warp at that point so you're sitting there and the old lady's 
telling you the story of Insidious basically and and it you can't stop it. It's a force, you know, unlike any other. And while you're sitting there and she's she's basically she's look, looking over the window, she's looking all around her uh and you're supposed to look kind of where she looks and you know, with the Oculus technology, you can look anywhere and there's stuff there. So depending on the person, you can make it your own thing and and look wherever you choose. But you know, you look over to the window and there's a dark figure standing in the window <laughs> and you look over to the, you know, living room table or dining room table. And then all of a sudden a plate flies across the room or something, you know, it was terrifying and it was as real of a ghost experience as you can have. <laughs> so that happens. And then they transport you into this room full of ghosts, seriously. And there's about five dozen ghosts just as far as the eye can see in this black graveyard. And you're just kind of standing there and they're all sort of slowly like walking toward you. And all of a sudden, like one of them attacks you at the very nope. end. Nope. And, no, thank you. And then, and then boom, boom, Insidious 3 comes on the screen. Like, <laughs> like it's going to make you want to go see the movie or something. But I, I, I did it and I walked out and I was just like, man, I can't wait to hear what Brian <laughs> did or like if he peed his pants or something you're like have my eyes closed the whole time i was like no <laughs> but that was yeah. funny i felt bad for the the creepy guy who was operating my oculus room because you know they did like weird things did they brush your arm with like a uh, some sort of a brush or something no, to make it no, feel they like didn't. okay well then never mind i don't feel bad the guy Maybe tried to sexually really, harass me yeah you know, really attracted to i'm you. gonna report that guy never mind <laughs> i was gonna say i felt bad because i had zero reaction the entire time like i just sat there with my eyes closed and made no movement whatsoever and i'm sure he was like well that was that was <laughs> that was sucked he just that guy was just completely out. maybe he thought i was a psychopath or something he was like he was not affected by any of that yeah man it was it was such a fun weekend and thank you again to the Gentry yes. agency locally and Dallas Comic Con people, and we hope to be back and, and yeah cover more. for October. We really we need to do, we'll we'll start bugging them now. We need to set up and record while we're out there. A- absolutely, we'll just broadcast for a while. We we should honestly. It's funny because you go you show up at a huge convention like that, and we I mentioned to her I was like, hey, we have this professional setup, you know, like a radio show with like a soundboard and headsets and like. Basically, you know, it's what we take to Alamo Draft House and we do our live spots out there and and I had all this and I, I, I mentioned to her, I was like, Yeah, we've got this professional setup if you know, we just wanna whoever wants to come in can record with us. She was like, I don't know. Like she right. she didn't seem like that that was ever something that they could do. And it was just funny because I thought it would be that would be expected of us on almost, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I didn't know we'd be able to go and record interviews on our iPhone. You know, it's like, right. I wouldn't have even brought this stuff if I had known that was the case. You know, I wanted to be as professionally prepared as possible. Right. And I was, but next time we know what to expect. That was the first time I, I had gone for KTC radio and, and uh, the choice FM here and locally, but it never gotten any interviews or never really tried. I just kind of mm-hmm. got passes just to go. But now, now we need to look, and you're right, yeah. Brian, get some more interviews. And yeah, Terry Alexander it, was great, and please listen to that. It's worth listening to. It's so really cool. cool. Next time we go to Kent, we should uh, – did you ever read Bill Simmons when he went to the National uh, Sports Memorabilia Conventions and wrote like basically no. a live blog 
of that stuff. I'll write that, but we should uh, we should walk around and talk to some vendors, talk to some Comic Con people, like uh, just kind of get a wide range of interviews, not just with the celebrities, and and be able to kind of craft a, a podcast. Out of it. I think that would be a cool. I would listen to that if I was a, a, a mad about movies listener. So I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah, so be a I, good ad for them too. I just real quickly, Brian, and we might talk about this more uh, this coming. Thursday or maybe Friday or Saturday, whenever we post our San Andreas episode, which was the mm-hmm. original plan this week. I apologize for the yep. people coming to the site today looking for San Andreas content. Yeah, we will we'll have that. We, we will, will. We will have that for you in a few days. We promise. Yep. We wanted to give a little bonus content, but you saw Aloha on the same day. <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about. Your let's experience let's hold there. it. What you do you think? Hold let's it? hold it. Yeah, for like okay. for San Andreas, let's. Because I'll, I'll get my catch-up on Aloha. Richard's got to catch us up on his Tomorrowland thoughts. We'll have some movie news. We'll oh, make that. yeah. He wasn't on that episode, yeah. was he? Yeah. Wow. So we'll, let's, let's save that for the next one, and we'll just we'll crack out like a, a real official regular episode since we haven't done that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, let's do it. So yes, right after this, we're going to say our goodbyes and give our Twitter information, contact info. If you want to learn more about our show, then, uh, then do that. But – Man, what a fun weekend. Like I said, I can't wait to go back and, and please listen to Terry Alexander. And until a few days from now, when we talk San Andreas, we'll see you, see you soon. Brian, where can I find you online? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12. Uh, you can find my writing occasionally at the Mad About Movies podcast website. And uh, I think I'm going to have something for you later this weekend. If, if I get Great. time tonight, I'm going to write something about Aloha and, and uh, how that made me sad and want to cry. Right. Kent, where can we find you? Find me on Twitter uh, at Kent Garrison, K-E-N-T-G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. Find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. And uh, just want to remind you, only our most recent 100 episodes show up on iTunes. So if you want anything further back than that, you're going to have to go to the website and scroll all the way back. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Those reviews go a long way, and we would appreciate those and uh for you to do your part in uh keeping the show going by by leaving us five stars or by donating the financial contribution of your choice at our website also there's a donate button right on the home page right in the center just click donate and uh that really really helps the show continue so until a few days from now (laughs) uh here's terry alexander goodbye and we are joined by the one the only Terry Alexander from Day of the Dead. Terry, thanks for being here. Uh, it's great to have you on our show. Thanks for talking to us today. Uh, how does it feel to be here at, at Dallas Comic Con this year? I understand there's a reunion of the Day of the Dead uh, film. You're with, here with some of your old cast members. Mm-hmm. Uh, just talk talk about what it means to be here 30 years later uh, on a movie that I'm assuming was kind of a, a small deal or you thought would be a small deal, but now it's... It's uh, legendary, uh, so to speak. We call it appreciation. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> After 30 years, uh, like you said, it was a cult film. Uh-huh. Uh, and largely unappreciated for years. But now that the interest in zombies has come forward as a genre, they're looking back and saying, whoa, this is a, this is a good movie here. So yeah. any movie that stands the test of time is, and goes to that 
classic stratosphere, right. and and that's what I love about being here in Dallas at Comic Con. This is my first Comic Con. Oh, I've, I've heard about them all over the place. But <laughs> sure. you're f- really, your first Comic Con ever. My first Comic Con ever. I just do the Fright Nights and the Nightmares, those those shows like that. But this is my first one. So oh, that's um, exciting. Yeah. I think I think that talks a little bit about where Day of the Dead has come in 30 years. It's crossed over from just a a cult horror film to now a science fiction Comic Con convention. It's just as welcome here as it is, uh, you know, Star Wars or, or something like that. It's it's really crossed over. So, uh, why do you think the zombie genre has has uh, come back and you know attracted so many new fans to it? The sci-fi fans have seemed to come back to zombies. Is is what are your thoughts on? on that well as we explore the history of zombies from back in the day in Louisiana back then <laughs> the zombies were just walking things that were hypnotized and they sure, were sure, yeah. whatever they were told but George sort of shifted it to the left or right whichever way you want to go and you know made them start devouring people sure. and that speaks to sim- his symbol of each of us right. how we devour each other instead of accept each other and uh, we relate sure. to that, you know, we, we all relate to what, what's happening on that yeah. human level. So it took another kind of leap forward. And uh, right now they're beginning to look at that symbolically. So that's one of the reasons I think it's being uh, uh, hailed now as a, a sort of new thing in the genre. I want to ask you a, a bit about working with George uh, Romero. Mm. He's he's become a legendary director over the years. and. An iconic director for starting the, the the zombie genre and 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 more influence on horror as a, as a whole rather than just zombie films. But tell us just how it was working with with George, a le- now a legendary director, but like you said, uh, kind of a cult guy at the time. Uh, what are what are your impressions of working with him and uh, that experience? Well, uh, George is uh, was a wonderful director. Uh, in this particular uh, day of the day. He cut it back. He cut the script back. And and instead of special effects, he had to create more characters. And the characters he was in touch with. He was in touch with each of these characters. And he was wonderful to work with. Everybody was on their game in the movie. He was on his game. Special effects people were on their game. All the actors were on their game. And I, I said, this has got to be special. This, this is going to be wonderful. But it, it was... Uh, uh, he's easy. He sees you. And back in the day, the director used to be as close to you <laughs> as I am right uh-huh. now. Yeah, but yeah. now they're off in a truck somewhere, right. man. And you don't get that. <laughs> yeah. You don't get that human touch anymore, man. <laughs> yeah. And you kind of miss that, yeah. you know, with, with the technology now. But man, it was so good to have him out there watching and being in it with you, sure. man. It was it was wonderful. When you started acting. Uh, surely, I, I mean, I, I'm asking you this as kind of a personal question, but did you imagine yourself, was Day of the Dead something that interested you at, at the beginning, or were you more, you know, I want to do, I want to be in The Godfather, I want to be in these classic, uh, I guess, more actor type films, and, uh, but you obviously got the part in Day of the Dead. Did you ever see yourself becoming an icon for a, something like Day of the Dead? I mean, obviously, it's it's gotten bigger over the years, but what were your aspirations as an actor starting out? Well, I, I'm a theater guy. Okay, okay yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the personal touch. Sure. I'd like to get yeah. in front of an audience and, and deal with them on that level. It's it's a wonderful feeling. I mean, it's the closest thing to, like, dreaming we do because <laughs> you sit in a dark room and these images roll across yeah. you, and, and, and that's very special. It's a very special feeling. But... I didn't think that uh, I would get 
the best role I've ever done sure. in a horror movie. <laughs> sure, yeah. You know, I've done soap opera. That's, the, that's, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, 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 I didn't think that, man. Sure. You know, I've done all kinds of stuff, man, and TV series in the afternoon and ongoing characters and great stuff in plays, you know, some really wonderful symbolic stuff there, too, but... I never thought I'd get my best role in horror. It's, just, it's wonderful. It's exactly. Just exactly. I understand you had a pretty significant role on on the soap opera One Life to Live yes, yes, back in the day. Yes. Uh, more enjoyable experience doing a Day of the Dead uh, type something type of thing, or more of a recurring role where you can kind of build a character over an extended period of time. Uh, obviously, two very different genres there. But I guess talk about the difference between doing something like Day of the Dead and doing a, a soap opera, which is, I guess, the, the polar opposite of, yeah. of Day of the Dead. Well, you know, you do a soap opera, they, they ask you afterwards, well, but can you act? Right. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say, yeah, man. Of course, yeah. Uh, you know, but soap operas are, are about built for a certain kind of audience, sure. and they're always overwritten, because in soap operas, it's about time. Mm-hmm. And you get a half hour right. or an hour, so they always override it, and then it cut, cut, cut cut back and bring it to the time because the stopwatch is always going in a soap opera. So, you know, I I, I liked it because there's the red light on the camera and there's two cameras and there's three cameras and you got to work with all that as an actor Uh as opposed to one camera or maybe two. Then they turn around on the other actor. This takes a whole lot of time, man. You know, they got to exactly. light and play with it. So you have to do another kind of concentration right. to stay in your character. You help the other actor who's being his shot and, and just be in the scene. So it's another uh, kind of uh, exercise uh, in, in, in doing film and doing television. I love it, though. Right. I really loved it a lot because I love that role. That's sure. why. But uh, it's just different, you know. I want to I want to ask you. Uh, we're a movie show, so we talk mainly about movies. A lot of TV as well, and we you know talk our fair share of, of horror when we can. What were some of your favorite movies growing up? What inspired you to become an actor? Was it more stage work that you saw, more Shakespearean type stuff, or uh, what movies have you grown to love over the years? Oh man, I've done a couple Shakespeare things here and there. You always love Shakespeare because it gives you a kind of rhythmic feeling with an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stuff I, I dealt with was mostly uh, dealing with the problems of, of our, our, our evolution. Uh, I, I did an anti-war play with Mike Nichols called Streamers. Oh, wow. Great, great thing. Yeah. I, um, most of the stuff I dealt with was dealing with the racial problems in, in our society. In fact, I started out that way, man. My first gig was a little teeny children's play. I had to get my equity card. Got to get a union. <laughs> sure. Okay. So I, I went to Rochester, New York, and the play was about this Alaskan village and how this albino baby was born into the village. Okay. And they were going nuts because the baby was white. And they didn't know <laughs> oh, what wow. to do with that. Yeah. So it was a reverse kind of prejudice sure. happening. But that's how my career presented itself. I did a lot of stuff back in the 60s, uh, late 60s, which is rebel stuff. was the, the, the movement was on for the revolution, the cultural revolution in America. So I did a lot of plays like that. Uh, and uh, I enjoyed that specific kind of adventure and getting out the truth so we can get past this hump 
culture. <laughs> culturally, right. Yeah, culturally right. in America. We're working on it, man. We're still Absolutely. working on it, still man. It's, on it. it's still beautiful. Every day, Every day man. <laughs> it doesn't stop. But we, we America challenged all that. Sure. You know, all the old aristocracy and all the old praise mm-hmm. and worship. And we're still working with that. So I, I love it that we are. I want to ask you one more thing before we let you go here and get back to your back to your stuff uh obviously the walking dead has had a huge influence on the resurgence of zombies i give it more credit to dawn of the dead the Zack snyder film almost a remake of the film you did with george romero uh-huh. uh, that came out in 2004 but the walking dead's become huge yes. have you seen the walking dead have yes, they yes, asked yes, you yes. to maybe be on it and as kind of a cameo role uh, maybe yet. throwback or Not something yeah they're yeah. coming to it i mean as soon as the ratings start to slip a little yeah. bit <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna come yeah. on over because they yeah. know we're popular yeah. too. So, but that's the thing that they're right. They're riding high. Let them ride high, and they'll come this way sooner or later. In fact, I did one of their uh, conventions, Walker Stalker, in New Jersey, uh-huh. and I talked to Greg Nicotero, and I, I, yeah. I did an interview with, with them. And they're, they're sweet people. They're good people. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's Hollywood. That's how they play sure. the game. And then I know how they play yeah. the game. So we'll get on. Don't you worry. <laughs> well, Terry, it's it's been awesome to talk to you today. Congratulations on being here. 30 years later on the film being such a huge success i'm sure it'll be a great weekend for you so uh you know our fans really appreciate you talking to us as well so thanks thanks for thanks for having us on and one more thing we could ask you just say your name and uh this is mad about movies say hi i'm hi i'm terry alexander and this is mad about movies perfect perfect Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. Again. 